Today on the Arkansas Moderati Podcast, powered by the Purple People Project, my discussion with Carla Mouton. Carla is a 13-year member of the Lakeside School Board in Hot Springs and has 33 years of teaching experience. Carla has information and insights into the implementation of the Learns Act mandates and the long-term impacts the legislation will have on Arkansas schools and students. She's a energetic and enthusiastic champion for Arkansas students and I think you can actually hear her pounding on the table as she answers these questions. So enjoy the interview today, October 31st on the Arkansas Moderati podcast powered by the Purple People Project. Hi, Carla. Hey, Jeff. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Well, thank you. I'm we glad just to hear had it. a lovely visit from Japanese delegation in Hanamaki, and it was great, even though the rain uh, visited us. But other than that, all, all is good. It probably rains in Hanamaki too every once in a while. There it probably does. Is. It yeah. does. But when you plan lots of outdoor activities, right. yeah. You know, but it's okay. Monitor yeah. and adjust. Welcome to Arkansas. Yeah. Absolutely. If you don't like the weather, just wait around 15 minutes and it'll and change. It's going to change. That's yes. right. Okay. So I thought I tend to, I get outraged about this stuff. And then I wonder if maybe I'm just ill-informed and I'm overreacting. So I find it good practice to seek out somebody that I'm absolutely certain knows more about the things that I'm outraged about than me. So that I can judge whether or not I'm a hostile reactionary or not. The Learns Act is something that I have absolutely no doubt that you know more about than I do based on your day-to-day activities. And so I thought I would, I could not think of anybody better than you to get together with and just ask some questions and see what I could learn and maybe feel better about this or worse. (laughs) First of all, you are incredibly kind. I, I appreciate it. I'm not sure how much uh, wisdom I have to impart, but I'll do the best I can. As far as for knowing more than you do, Jeff, I'm not sure about that. I I would like to think, but I think one of the big problems of the LEARNS Act is how little we know. So we may have to preface all of this with that. I I think the first question I wanted to ask you was, how good a job has the administration done in explaining to school boards what the LEARNS Act does and how it's going to function? Oh, my. my! No, it has not done a good job is the, the inarticulate answer to that question. Okay. I think with any piece of legislation, and as you very well know, it's not specific to LEARNS, The devil is always in the details, pardon the cliche, but that is the truth. Those details have not been worked out. We had a meeting with our legislators. All the school boards were invited to it. School boards, schools administration were invited to attend. And one, when we were asking about costs, because everyone is concerned about cost, this is just a little example. And one of our local legislators said, well, we'll find that out after we pass it. And that has been my, I can't let that one go. Right. So if we're not too concerned about the cost, right. what else are we not concerned about? 
We just don't know a great deal. We know that these rules have been put in place, but they have not been fleshed out adequately. Right. We're all concerned about the funding. We don't know how sustainable that is. Right. Of course, they don't have an answer for that question. Mm. When you, from what I understand, I have not met with anyone in the administration mm. other than having had a meeting, a regional meeting the other night with two of the employees of the education department who mm. really did the best they can. I understand they get very testy when you question a little too much. Yeah. Huffy, testy, what, whatever right. words you want to use. They explained to you that they have a mandate, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know, they have a mandate from the which, by the way, you're reading now. Poll numbers are not. Yeah, it's not great right now. Holding that up, yeah. but they're not doing a very good job. We understand that this possible bonus for merit pay of up to ten thousand dollars is going to be applicable to this school year. Oh, great. But we don't know where the money comes from. Where, that's not it. We don't know what it's going to take for these teachers. Oh, the eligible, eligible for this. That hadn't been worked out. Oh, but so but you've got to come up with it this year. But we've got to come up with it this year. But we don't know what we're coming up with. So um, let me ask you on that. How much time did they suggest to you that you have to get into full compliance with the new? regulations, the new law. I don't want to misspeak, Jeff, because I'm not in administration, but right. I don't think we have a, a, a window here. I think that we are in, we have to comply. Look what happened with African-American studies. School had started. Kids were already signed up for classes. And kids had been signed up for classes and they were ready to go. And thank goodness for the schools who were involved said, nah, we're going to do it anyway. Right. Which I think was, I, I was a little bit surprised that they just shrugged their shoulders and did the right thing. It felt a little bit like a challenge to me, which the people in me I, loved. <laughs> I can't think of all of the schools that were involved because they're really not that many in Arkansas. But Let's but just start with the governor's alma mater, right? Central. Say that again. I said, let's start with the governor's alma mater. Central yes. said, Central yeah, High School. We're going to offer this class. We're going to do of all schools, Jeff. Right. right. I understand. Yes, that's right. and that's why I'm saying when Central did it, I expected Central to do that because yeah. they are exceptional. Right. And they're going to do the right thing for those kids. To answer your question, they have not done a very good job. Okay, so. Now that you've had a little bit of time, not a lot of time, but a little bit of time to discuss the details that the rest of us have seen, the uh, raises for teachers, et cetera, which part of it do you feel like is the most dangerous for districts long term? There are two. Okay. The first one, I think, is most probably the most obvious, and that is money going to private and charter, uh, private charters and homeschools. Okay. Stop for a second, if you would, and just explain to us how you understand, as you understand it, how that piece of the LEARNS Act functions. From what I understand, you have to apply, and I'm, I, I may be wrong. I, I have not gotten into all of those details, but it, it's essence, and you've heard this before, the money follows the student. Right. So, so it's that is where it's going to go. They just released some of that, what is it, Freedom Accounts? Is, is the name of it. 
95% of that money went to kids already in private schools. Right. Now, we were told another thing that was miscommunicated, that it was going to go to the most needy. It's not. It's yeah. going to people already in private school. There's no income cutoff right. if you make above. It's anybody. Right. So people who have been paying very good money for these kids to go to private schools are now getting reimbursed for that, right. at least a portion of it. It's basically a tax cut for people that are already Absolutely, sent their kids which is, to private schools. Which is what we get all the time. It's another example of where the money is going. Yeah. I get pushback on this a lot where I say you're taking money out of public schools and giving it to private businesses. Or And the pushback that I get is why shouldn't parents have a choice about where to send their children? And my answer to that is that parents absolutely should have a choice about where to send their children. And I'm just not sure that should we be able to opt out of the local fire department or the police department, right? Like do how far are we going to push this? I get to choose what to do with my tax money stuff. Yeah. This is a, this is an absurd argument as far as I'm concerned. I would prefer that my tax money not go to pay for a huge defense budget and right. pay for the latest and greatest way to kill our fellow human beings. I get to say, do I get to earmark my money and say it can't go there? I have my own little private security. Yeah, I don't need you, police. It, it, it's just a ridiculous argument. To say that they don't have a choice, that's parsing words, and they know that. I, I assume they know that. Everybody has a choice. There are consequences of choices, and consequences may be that you have to pay for that choice. Right. And okay. I applaud your choice. Just right, don't sure. take money away. We have to have an educated populace. We have to have people who are critical thinkers, who know how to make good decisions. And when you're taking this money away and don't throw money at it is, is an argument. That's not going to make it better. But taking money away is going to make it worse. You've stumbled upon one of my recurring beefs around here. I personally think that these people are invested in a less educated populace. I think history proves that the less educated we are, the easier we are to control and beguile with nonsense, which is a lot of what's, I think, happening now. I wish I disagreed with you. Me I too. Did. I taught history for quite a few years. I, I don't want to be the skies falling, the skies fall. But I, the, the phrase bread and circuses keeps coming back to me. Mm. The Romans just appeased them right. with food and entertainment and right. call it good. And then they can control. I, I, I think they don't want public education. Oh, no. I think they don't want an educated population. And I think that we are seeing the consequences of an uneducated population already. Right. Okay. So I think you know, when I first started saying the sky was falling to quote you over the learns act, a lot of people came to me and said, doesn't it just give raises to teachers? How can you object to raises for teachers? And 
Of course, the answer is I don't object to raises for teachers. What I what the small business owner in me worries about is that if you come to me once I already have my budget for the year established, this is how I'm going to spend my money. This is how much money I have, and this is how I'm going to spend it. And you come to me and say, okay, there are, call it 30 people that work for your business that you're going to have to give substantial raises now without telling me where that money is going to come from in the long term. It affects every choice that I make. Like some of the choices that I've already made have to be changed. I'm not sure that everybody necessarily thinks about school boards and how schools, districts have to decide how to spend what money. So if you would spend a little bit of time talking about how somebody outside of the district demanding that you give a percentage of the employees in your under your direction a raise affects your budgeting long term and creates a problem as the largest budget item is your salaries yes and it, it goes beyond saying that the, the huge impact that had again not having a whole lot of time to to manipulate and, and to work because they've been working on you work on budgets long before the budget ready for July 1, because July 1 is the beginning of the fiscal year. I can can only speak to Lakeside, but I I know that this is rather universal. You have a salary schedule. At Lakeside, we have a salary schedule from zero years experience to 30 years experience. Mm -hmm. And we have steps, incremental steps all along. We had it for both bachelor's degree and master's degree. Mm -hmm. And that's just for the teachers. That's not administration. They're not on the salaries. And we were paying a little over 47,000, I think, to a beginning teacher, which in Arkansas was, was, we were very competitive. So it did not take a whole lot for us to jump to that 50. We are very fortunate. We have a wonderful community. We've got a community that demands good education. We've got a community that understands the cost of a good education. So I feel that certainly at this point in time and for foreseeable future, we are fine. So we still have our salary schedule. We started 50 and we go down to 30. I wish I could tell you, I don't have it in front of me, what the highest level for, let's say, a bachelor's degree. We're we're competitive. Right. Smaller schools, everybody is crowded around that $50,000. So me, I've been here for 30 years. I'm going to get, let's say, 55,000, $56,000. I've been doing this for 30 years, and here is Jeff just coming out of the shoot, and you've got 50000 So these young teachers don't have a lot to shoot for when it comes to pay increases. Right. And the older teachers are going, really? Right. This is it? Yeah. So it, it's just... I don't know how anybody thinks this is a good idea. If you just read the top line headline, teachers get a fifty thousand know, raise. Is, to 50, which is that sounds it's just great. a soundbite, Jeff. I understand, but but most people don't 
dig any deeper into it than that even absolutely not because and, that's not what we do anymore right yeah it's a bumper sticker society um, yes that's, we could probably do another podcast completely about that but so i understand that for larger districts that were already pay competitive for teachers it's a blip what i worry about is the smaller districts that don't have the, a great tax base already and are already financially spread thin, if they had, if 10% of their teachers were not above that $50,000 mark, to me, that blows a giant hole in their budget. And that money's got to come from somewhere, which means it's being taken away from something, or they risk just not being able to continue to stay open. So I guess what I'm asking you, is this eventually going to stress smaller districts to the point where they're going to have to either close down or be replaced by a charter school or okay. something. All of those things you're saying, I think, fit into the answer that I have for that. There has been a push by previous administrations for more consolidation. Right. I wonder how that plays in all of this, knowing mm. full well that it's not sustainable for these small schools. Right. So they will be forced to consolidate. So you think you'll be a consolidation step before a charter step? You think that they'll... It depends. What? All right, Jeff, one of the things that we talked about at this meeting with our legislators, they were talking about these charter schools can go in. What charter school wants to go into a poor area? They're in it right. to make money. It's a business proposition. It's right. a business. And so what else are you going to do with these kids? There's no charter school. So you're going to bust them for gosh knows how long. And to where? To me, the, the risk of what you're saying is that the state is saying they'll subsidize that charter school for two years. So you get the charter school in the neighborhood. The, the state is helping to foot the cost. Mm -hmm. of starting that business in rural areas. And then after two years, it's okay. Y'all are on your own. Right? And what, what business, what business wants to go into that knowing that at the end of two years, what reputable business, what smart business would want to do that? I just think it's lose, lose for these kids. That brings me to this. As I understand it, the Learns Act is only funded for the next two years. Yes, sir. So to me, that makes it, I, I don't want to answer the question for you. How difficult does that make the choices that your district has to make annually, not knowing where, how all this is going to be funded in two years? Even a school in the, in the situation that we find ourselves financially, which is quite good right now, that is going to be certainly much more difficult than it is now. Yeah. Where does the money come from? Do you go back for a millage? Right. Nobody wants to do that. Right. We, I understand, we all understand that things are costly. And in this societal mentality of, no more taxes or no new taxes or whatever it right. is that's being spouted. That's going to be difficult. We had a, a, a millage, gosh, several years ago. We have 
we added much needed facilities. Can we go back for teacher salaries? I don't know. You have that idea out there already that teachers work five days a week from eight to three, nine months right. out of the year. And we've got just a great gig going. And again, unaware of everything that goes into teaching these kids. It just feels to me like the uncertainty part of it, two years, is just to say these are going to be the rules and this is how we're going to deal with the fiscal parts of this. And to only tell administrations, this is how it's going to work for the next two years, to me, would be terrifying. Like, what happens after the two years? It is. What happens next? And, Jeff, I, I would say that they haven't thought about it beyond that. I'm not sure that's true. What I believe is that they don't care. Yeah. That's that's and, and obviously I, a concern. I mean, it, it it feels to me like these people are introducing a bunch of change into the state that they're not going to be around. To they're see not going to be around to see it through. Now, we talk about the administration. The administration, gosh, knows has a tremendous amount of blame. We've got a whole legislator out legislature out there who just let it all happen. Not only let it all happen, proudly got behind it again. Knowing, because they know legislature a whole lot more than I do and you do, knowing full well what it involves and all of the details and saying, as one of them said, we'll find out after we pass it. Doesn't that to you sound like they want to break it and then two years from now, two years from now say, this is broken. Yeah. We told you this was bad. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So now we get to have these worse you have was it privately owned prisons how's that worked out for you so what's going to happen with privately owned education uh, uh, universal again, yes it's we're, we're only say, 10 years away from private policemen i'm telling yeah. you is that where we're going <laughs> apparently uh, i'm libertarian as the next guy but i also understand that there are certain things that we're better off not privatizing and i from the beginning thought that Private prisons were a terrible idea. All the, you know, for a business, all the incentive structure is for more customers. <laughs> you more know, more right? customers. So, that's how you build your business. Yeah, yes. that to me always meant we're going to have to make more things illegal and make the, yeah. the sentences longer. And you know, because I've got shareholders that I've got to go to and explain why they didn't make more money this year than last year. You it, know, where's the incentive for them to not have bigger prisons every year? What? We're trying to help. Right. We're trying to help our kids. Yes. Should you know, be. This is all about kids, but I think that they are so low on the totem pole in all of this as far as for what's been factored in. And I really don't care what sound bite you spill out there. It's just this is not good for our kids. Right. And and then, Jeff, one more thing. Besides having to educate them, now schools have to do more and more to take care of the kids. Absolutely true. From feeding them, from their health needs. Yeah. We have a, a clinic on campus. Thank goodness we have right. a clinic on campus. Yeah. We have more mental health professionals, which are direly needed. Right. So you have all of that. And, oh, by the way, in two years, you're not going to have this funding in. Right. Or you're going to have to figure it out. You've got two years to figure it out. You're not going to have this funding. So there you go. Yeah. So 
one more thing I want to make sure I ask you about before I let you go. Yes, sir. Is let's say for the little districts that surround yours, I'm not going to call any districts by name, but let's say they do get stressed and the state doesn't push consolidation. They turn those into charter schools. You know, yeah. They take that opportunity to close those smaller districts down because they can't meet the fiscal requirements of the Learns Act and turn them over to the big D.C. consortiums that are starting these charter schools. So now there is a charter school option for kids in Garland County. What percentage of kids, where's the break point, I guess is what I'm asking for larger districts like yours. What percentage of those kids getting pulled out and having their funding follow them to that charter school? At what point does that become a problem for your district, for example? Would it be if let's say five or 10% of Lakeside students decide they want to be, they go to a charter school. How would that affect? That's a very good question. It would be, I don't want to go as far as say devastating, but all of the things that we get to offer and we get to do on our campus, which I know you're aware of, we're going to have to make cuts too. And could we afford to lose 10%? I cannot imagine that, Jeff. I cannot right. imagine that. I just can't and, imagine what business would be okay if you came to them and said, okay, we're taking 10% of your funding next year. Yes. Yeah. It it makes no sense on so many levels unless you look at what we perceive, what we think the end game is. Then it makes perfect sense. If you're just cynical and say they want to close public schools mm-hmm. and trans- privatize schools across the state, then the Lawrence Act makes absolute sense. Absolute sense. sense. <laughs> absolute sense. And again, you can't get good answers. You get snarky answers. Right. And the people at the education department, I think, are working so very hard trying to do the right thing because they are in it for the long haul. They're not going to be gone in just a couple of years, however many years. Jacob Oliver will be. He's going somewhere. Oh, Oliva, absolutely. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't want to be here anyway. No. No, no like, like I said, I think he bailed out of Florida and thought, let me find a place where uh, I can hide for a couple yeah. of years. And uh, unfortunately, he hadn't been able to hide as well as he wanted to. Come to find out, in spite of what you hear when you travel around the country, there's still uh, fast, reliable internet access yeah. in the state of Arkansas. And yeah journalists willing to do their jobs. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, there, I saw a, a blip about this the other day, the critical race theory elements the, of the Learns Act. I think that your district got uh, hit on a book in the library. Do you know anything about this? There was one book apparently that yeah, was, I don't remember the name of I don't the know the book, name of the book either. but it, it was it did not become a problem. We're we're not hiding books. We're not removing books. We, they at school are very good about understanding what's age appropriate and what's not age. I'm going to stray off for a half a second. This just reminds me of this whole indoctrination bit that you hear about. It's insulting. So insulting. Insulting. Yeah. It's insulting on both ends. It's insulting to think that kids can't figure out when they're being indoctrinated and also that teachers wake up in the morning and they like rub their evil little hands together 
right? They're like, yeah, but, how do but, I indoctrinate but these children gonna, today? But you're going to give money to schools that are in the business of. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Public money. Oh, yeah. but critical race theory is such. I don't know what the latest phrase is, but right. it's such a ridiculous. There's right. that's not happening. No, it was no. a theory out there for law schools to to look at with their students. And somebody jumped on it and said, aha, we got them. Yeah. It just sounds ominous, right? Rather than just say what they're really worried about, which is that the more you expose people to other people's firsthand accounts of the inequity in our society, the more they say, wait, this person whose firsthand opinion I can trust says that things are this way. And I I say this to Tom all the time. It's injustice that really, in the end, upsets people. Like right, left, whatever. At a certain point, if you describe something that's obviously not just to people, then they rightfully get offended about it. And even if it's not, it's like Voltaire. I may not agree with what you have to say, but I'll defend to your the death your right to say it. I think that's there's nothing more American than that. The, and the, the idea that schools are in the business of contorting children and that children are, as you know, I, I'm around some children on a regular basis. And yes. the, the idea that I could brainwash them and that they would just nod their heads and accept this. Like, I don't know the children that these people are describing, but. I taught for a long time and all I wanted and is what I think they're calling indoctrination is to be able to critically think. Right. To be able to look at whatever evidence you have out there and whatever evidence you go out and find for yourself and make an informed decision. They don't want those decisions to be informed by anybody other than their own indoctrination. Right. So we want to talk about indoctrination. Let's talk about it. Schools aren't doing that. No. They're trying to teach those kids how to think. No, the legislature, I think, in my opinion, is the one doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I've just got a couple minutes left here. Is there anything that we absolutely need to know that I have not asked you about? Something that you're passionate about on this topic that you feel like I missed? There's one other thing, and I don't know enough about it yet, just yet. Look into this. If they don't, if they're not on level in third grade, they're going to keep them. They're going to retain them. Okay. We do everything we can, Jeff, not to retain kids because there's so much involved in that. And they're saying now that's it. You have to retain them. Yeah. That's a huge piece that, again, has not been thought through. I, I it again, it sounds good. These right. kids aren't ready. They're, they're not reading on level. Let's just keep them and we're going to get them on level. What does that do to their mental state? What does that do to their emotional state? Again, all those things that schools have to worry about right now is just not teaching history. It's teaching the whole kid. It's always been about teaching the whole kid. And this, this is not good. So right. I just think that's one piece that most probably needs to be explored. Okay. I'll take a look at that and have a future rant about that. Uh, can, I'll, I'll rant. 
I'm I'm good at ranting. Ask yeah. my husband. <laughs> uh, I I knew that you'd be good at this. Thank you, uh, Carla I'll Mouton, Lakeside School Board member for 13 years now, 14 years now. A 13? It'll, yeah, it'll be 14 Thir at the end of the yeah. school. Yes, sir. Thank you for joining me today and teaching me a lot about something that I've already been ranting about for weeks. <laughs> I appreciate it. You're welcome back here anytime. Thank you for having me. I, I'm really am honored. All right. to well, my pleasure. You. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. Okay.